0: To listen to some good old Mark Shapiro, the rise of Reform and the Rabbinic response in 19th century Germany. Uh, today,
1: uh, it's not so common, although uh, often on trips and things you do it uh, in interest of time. But uh, the Rambam defended this practice.
0: Of oh, taking and, off uh, your shoes when you go ashore. I don't know
1: why he defended the For uh, talking. He doesn't just say that he's is talking. By the way, he also says. Um, he says uh, the Jews are spitting. Also, you know, they're just acting. Uh, you know, they're, they're showing their disrespect. Uh, uh, but then he says, uh, so that, that, that's what people often uh, quote. But he says as follows: He says, by getting rid of the sashats, with the Jews—that's the repetition of, of the, the main that, prayer. He says, you saw Hashem, Shliz Moshe, Ben He says that uh, this creates a whole Hashem.
0: So, Hallelujah, Hashem means the desecration of God's name. It's the worst thing a Jew can do. So, the
1: Jews not behaving properly in Shul creates a Hallelujah Hashem for the Goyim. and therefore the Rambam says that's a good reason. I don't know if
0: so. Etiquette. You know, There's not it's no like Hebrew word for etiquette, and so the word Hebrew word for synagogue, Beit Knesset, means meeting place. So it's not, you know, an otherworldly place like a Christian sanctuary. And so, when you become incredibly comfortable at a place, then it's uh, more difficult for your behavior to be otherworldly. Right? When you're this worldly religion, you're not going to necessarily achieve the spirituality of, you know, a ...worldly religion. Good old Mark Shapiro. Just has a way of putting his finger on it.
1: I've never seen an orthodox, orthodox really, army, I've never seen a synagogue pass. In fact, behind those of you who were probably recall, there's two, two praise poets, because they had two rabbis there, and the rabbis could get along with each other, so they one shop is one rabbit gives the drush, the other shop is the other rabbit gives the drusha, and they go two separate uh so each one would have their open. And one of these rabbis going hold the other one.
0: So a drusha is a talk. So it's uh loosely translated, you know, a sermon. His name
1: was Hevesy. He's the grandfather of Alan Hefison, who uh, was city controller of New York, intermarried at the time everything else unfortunately, but uh, his grandfather was the illumined um chief rabbi of uh, so, if we go to the synagogue and see something, there are inscriptions adorning the building. In addition to the ones, there's an organ in the synagogue. I'm assuming quite a non Jew might be looking I don't know the name of it. It's labor. I'm And women sat in the balcony. So, this is the first reform synagogue of Jacob's synagogue. And women are sitting in the balcony. Women, I've said it before. Let's see how many remember. What is the first synagogue in Jewish history, world history, that men and women sit together? Who's going to type it in? I'll keep talking and see who can type in, And I'll give you a hint. No, 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 I apologise. I apologize. Okay. Anyone who is so scared to see uh, television, probably just made the contrast. So,
0: but yes, absolutely. So Australia, more than any other First World nation, of which I'm aware tends to sexually segregate. You know, blokes go up with blokes, she does with sheilas. But uh, Judaism has always been heavily sexually segregated until the rise of Reform Judaism in 19th century Germany. So it was in Germany, but for the first time it had men and women sitting together at prayer. Correct. It said in Albany,
1: of Mayer Wise. Until World War One, even in Germany, men and women sat together. Uh, the early, in the churches, they said, until, until World War the men and women sat separately. And that's how the churches were. Uh, only in Weimar, that is, after World War I, the Weimar period, where it was exceeding introduced into uh, uh, synagogues in Germany. Uh, now, they did remove the Mechitzel in Germany,
0: before Weimar. Wait, so I was wrong. It was Isaac Mayer Weiss, a reform rabbi in America, who developed well, the first synagogue where men and women sat together at prayer. So that's 19th century America. So that innovation happened in the United States, not in Germany. And
1: in some cases, the came out from Belgium, and the Set separately on the same level. And that's Rabbi Maurer, right, that, who introduced the introduced Isaac Mayer Wallace. Uh, and, uh, like and there's a of like controversial there's this uh, article about this. And churches. Because they said, well, not now that the name of the place and the name becomes such a in Germany in Germany. It doesn't happen. I mean Germany, it has to be hungry. This becomes such a central thing. We get to have one million years before. We've told people, or many of you know the like donors, that so you can't even step forward into a synagogue if the beam was not the middle. And we'll see what Moshe Feinstein has to say about that today. Now, we have an eyewitness report of the opening of the Temple in Zissing in 1810. And you can find this eyewitness report. Gunter Plaut has two volumes of prime texts, uh, primary texts, theLY4- un- one focuses on America, the other focuses on Europe. And not- if you look in there, you can, uh, it out. Talks about how, first of all with the dedication of the temple, the eyewitness reports that Christians were in attendance, nothing wrong with that, but they join in the singing, And it ends on a universalist theme. Here is this, the festivities were original and unique. Where would one have seen a similar day at which Jews and Christians celebrated together in common service in the presence of more than forty clergymen of both religions, and then sat down to eat and rejoice together in intimate company, assuming that they what they were eating wasn't a Jacobson says as follows: It's not been my intent to bring about a religious unification
0: this is Babel? This is Dr. Mark Shapiro talking about the rise of Reform Judaism and the Rabbinic response. Babel? This is Mark Shapiro, this, this great scholar. Babel. You kidder. You kidder. How you kid, Glyb Medley. Says that I don't want a unification of
1: religions, and in it's introduction, this as proof that uh that Jacobson was not interested in religious assimilation. He was before assimilation. But if you look at his next words, that is Jacobson's next words, after saying that it's not my intent to bring about a religious vocation or religious to his one accomplishes nothing at all if one desires everything or too much at one time. What is needed is gradual and slow development. So I, I, I'm reading it, it seriously saying that religious unification is is not ipso actual fact wrong, but in to today's day and age, it's not something we can do, but in the future, this could be a goal. I guess when the Christians get rid of their belief in Jesus, and you know, then we can all be worshiping the divine together.
0: So yeah, the founders of Reformed Judaism thought that they created a universal religion that would supplant Christianity. They thought, you know, Christians will drop the Jesus thing and uh, we'll all you know, worship the one true God practicing you know, true, true religion. Blum Medley is just jealous of the, you know, the wit and wisdom of Mark Shapiro here.
1: So we just about 9.30, is Jacobson's going to tell us what he, what's driving him. And then we're going to get into a very interesting tangent because Jacobson is going to make the argument that it's vital that our religious service not be disgraceful, not for us only, but in the eyes of our neighbors. And I think most people today, if you told this, they'd say, the idea that we're going to determine what our social service looks like based on the I think that's, uh, that's not a normal way of looking at it. That's, that's a possible before way of looking at it. And you will see, I'm going to say, you be showing in a home, you will later not say the exact same thing. That
0: yeah, there never there never comes a time when you can just be oblivious how your neighbors perceive what you're doing, particularly when you're a tiny minority. So Jews have always had to pay attention to what the non-Jews think, right? This idea of, you know, we don't care what the Goyim think, right? that's not realistic. Any normal, healthy person has to care about how other people perceive what they're saying and doing.
1: Service ...has to be, cannot be a The very concept of a service can be a and And then we'll move on to, uh Freelander and uh a well, bunch of good stuff uh, coming up. Well, let me take let me make a note here. Let me take the questions, lots of questions. Uh someone asked privately last week I spoke about maybe credit for co but if you know of a non-Jew, sometimes a person could have been Jewish but may not get aware of it, someone says. Yeah, it's possible, uh, but uh, generally we don't make that assumption. The Gemara always deals with that. Someone could be descended from the, the twelve tribes, the ten tribes. They you can always have a something, but uh unless you know otherwise, if you know that someone's a Christian you know, uh you can assume that. Uh after all, we do much more important things than going to funerals, and we use non-Jews as a Shabbos and, uh, uh, and there have been some cases. There was a case in, uh, in Israel, supposedly, where the Shabbos guy turns out he was Russian, turns out he was actually Jewish. Uh, he thought he wasn't Jewish. But uh, they, they have crazy cases like that. But generally, we have a concept of a Shabbos Goy, and we don't worry that maybe uh, four generations ago, uh, his, his maternal grandmother was Jewish.
0: Nothing. So the Shabbos Goy is a non-Jew who does things for the Jew on the Sabbath that the Jew's not allowed to do. So the problem with having a Shabbos goy is it makes Judaism look stupid. It makes Jewish law look stupid. It makes Jews look like they're you know, just trying to get around God's law. He tells the story. Orez also
1: told uh, he, 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 He's actually the translator of the... Some of you probably know that great uh, that volume of Tanach today the press, which is uh, a translation from Rashi's and Tanakh and a selection of commentaries. Uh, the very first one that came out, uh, in the 70s, I guess it is, uh, that was done by Rabbi uh, Orez, uh, Says, or, or start, well, I started Esther to back in the day. I have to say that I don't even know what Esther Schoenfeld is. I guess it's school. I heard it. Down. So someone probably points out in the Torah, Sotas was a sin. You seem to find there was a samba. Well, and then you say, by the time of Hazal, no difference in pronunciation. All the way to the samba. The, uh, the, the Hazal writes it as a samba. The Ramam still writes it as a sin. You know, the word satah is type A. Uh, why there was a change, uh, I always thought because they sounded the same, so it didn't really matter, but I, I don't know why uh, they were not my Someone sprints says, that says Islam was not considered idolatry, monotheistic Christianity because of the Trinity is considered as questionable as an atheist or religion, yes. So that's so you say, that may be a difference in why the Moranos were okay to convert to be secret Jews. Now, I don't understand, because the Moranos were converting to Christianity, not to assault. That's uh, they, it's the same thing. That The, the Moranos were speaking about, or conversos, uh, they were uh, were dealing with uh, Christianity, both in, in France and Germany, as well as in Spain and Portugal. It is the case that there was an earlier, in Spain, an earlier forced conversion of the Ramos, like the Almohads? That's, uh, yes, right. Now, what, what I'm saying, actually, is that Many of, the Muslims didn't consider it, many of the Jews didn't
0: consider it the same as and conversion the same, because they're converting to too. Right, so for Orthodox Jews, it's generally considered prohibited to walk inside a church, particularly if there are Christian services going on, because Christianity is considered a much greater compromise with monotheism than Islam, which from a Jewish perspective is, you know, much closer to monotheism than Christianity. So, for a Jew to walk inside a church is uh, considered you know, a big deal. It's uh, not something you really want to do if you want to maintain a good, good reputation in the Jewish community. ...Mount um, sure. of
1: um, religion? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's actually the case. But the thing is, we're speaking about uh, in the, the end of the 14th century and 15th century, the mass conversions of to Christianity in Spain. And then with the expulsion, you have, uh, the numbers are unbelievable. In fact, like, it seems like more Jews. You know, this is great. I brought them Roth And if I can just talk with them, no one's best. I don't care about the majority of Jews. Converted you know, to Spain. Inverted to Christianity in Spain. From 1391 on. And then there we are with Christianity. So the question remains, why, when it came to Christianity, in Spain and Portugal, do we not have more than uh, uh-huh. that? Christi- in, Christi- in the Christian lands. Germany, England, and France. So that will have to hold off to uh, our nice bus trips, where we go into great detail and we deal with the great disputes between the two Roths, Norman Roth and Cecil Roth. And Norman Roth's allies include Ben Zion Netanyahu and uh, others. And Cecil Roth's allies, we 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 have fun. And Michael says, "The Simon Roth." no we got to that. Susanna says, "Well, Aramaic Man found his way to the Senate because that's what people understood." I'm not sure what. Uh, Re- Re- we well, Re- were Re- talking about about um, the vernacular. So there was a time when Aramaic was the vernacular. Yeah. But- oh. Yeah, and we have we have vernacular for the women in particular, the Aramaic, those are not just for the women. We have it to this day in the city of and all the other things that are, are Aramaic. Uh, uh, in theory, we'll see there's nothing wrong with vernacular. It's just Hazal tells us there's nothing wrong with it. The problem that the Gedolim had is how to say that it's wrong when the Gemara, when Chazal tell us that it.
0: Okay, so Hazal refers to the rabbis, the, the Talmud. So rabbis who are rocking and rolling 2500 to 1500 years ago. And Shas is also another name for the Talmud. It's
1: permissible. Uh, that, that's going to be one of the, the most difficult things that the Gdolim have to do, is when the Reformers are going to say that we want to pray in the enacting.
0: So Gdolim refers to the great rabbis.
1: The rabbis are going to say you can't. How can you say you can't? When the Rambam is explicit field of the and the Amar, etc. Uh, Ellie says that er, my kids live in Berlin, and Kira from a while. Start so a new community based on a wonderful place of Berlin. Uh, I don't know if that's related. I think what that's related to what you're referring to is the, the Rabbino seminar, the Atas Yisrael, in, um in Berlin, we, on our trip there, we ate there, and I've been there uh, a few different times, and that is the, the, the community. There's a Chabad community, but the non-Chabad, the, it's a community. We were there, we saw the, the nursery. Uh, there's lots of little kids, little kids playing, speaking German, but this is a Shomer Shabbos community of young people and, you know, working people, and people, and people not just Jewish people, but regular people. And it's a very, very nice uh, community, and yes, you can uh, please make the connection to your son-in-law. I'd love to, because uh, when I go to, back to Germany, I'll be uh, traveling around again. Uh, He's a official rabbi of the German state. I assume he's a musmach of the rabbinic seminar. When we go on our Germany trip, we also uh, eat with one of the rabbis who who come from there. Yes, um, he's, 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 he's a, he was the second graduating class. Oh, ah, so very good. Uh, say, say, Rabbi now says the term orthodoxy came from reform, used for them as a characterization against traditionalism. That's what her says. That it was a uh, negative term, used a term. We'll get to that. Uh, but it's been accepted. It's not the only such term. Uh, I've said it already in the past. The term was a term of used by the Hasidim, and yet the Hasidim were uh, used against the non Hasidim.
0: So, yeah, Orthodox was a term of derision that Reformed Jews used for the traditionalists. Eventually, the Orthodox came to adopt it. just like the Mitnagdim, the opponents of Hasidim, right? They were called by the Hasidim, the Mitnagdim, meaning opponents, and eventually they came to embrace this term of derision. Just like queer, that used to be a pejorative term for homosexuals, and they have come to embrace it. 拜拜